Jesus and what He can do. Colossians chapter 1. We started last Sunday in a series entitled The Kingdom. And I want you to open to Colossians chapter 1. Then also go ahead and find Luke chapter 12. We're going to and hold your finger there in Luke chapter 12 because we're going to go there and read some Scripture also. Now we're not going to read this whole Scripture uh, beginning in verse 9 that we did last Sunday. Uh, you that were not here and heard that good exposition on that Scripture, you need to get your CD from last Sunday so you can catch it and get up with it because it was some good things there. But the thing that we want to get to is the fact that God has given us something different than what most of us are experiencing here upon this earth. In Colossians chapter 1, verse 13, it says, Giving thanks unto the Father who hath made us meet or worthy to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in life. Now, a lot of folks right off would think, well, that's just talking about when we go to heaven. Oh, I've got a home in heaven. We do have a home in heaven. That's for sure. I, I made that uh, final, the deed was transferred to me when I made Jesus Lord of my life. I have a home in heaven. John chapter 14 if you want to, I like the King James translation of this, that it's a mansion there. And a lot of translations put room. Well, it don't make no difference. If it's a room, it's plenty big enough to take care of what I need. And, and it's going to be good. It talks about streets of gold and, and things of that nature. And I know I've shared this with you before. Uh, when I pastored in South Georgia many years ago, at that time, of course, the old tradition of the church is, Lord, build me a cabin in the corner of Glory Land. Just a cabin will do. And we had a quartet group come one night. Of course, I never did like that. Bible don't talk about cabins when we get to heaven. Don't talk about tents. Talks about mansions. And, uh, but we had a quartet group to come one night to sing down there. And one of them said, I tell you what. He said, this old song about just build me a cabin in the corner of glory land. He said, that not even ought to be in the songbooks. He said, because there ain't no cabins in heaven. He said, I've got a big mansion, a gold mansion. He said, and I don't care if it's on a dirt road. I've got a mansion. I thought, man, alive. Hey, whoa, time out, time out. There ain't no dirt roads in heaven either. If they are, it's gold dust flying up. I promise you that. But we have a place in heaven. But I thank God that God has made provision, like we say so many times, for us to have some heaven to go to heaven in. I, I thank God I'm living in a, in, a, in a realm of heaven right now. Why? Because this next verse says, Who hath, has already, already done it. It's, it it's, we're not talking about the rapture. We're not talking about dying and going on the other side, crossing over stormy Jordan or anything like that. He has already translated me into the kingdom of His dear Son. He's delivered me from the power of darkness. This, this darkness of this age, this world. And it's characterized by the God of darkness, which is Satan. The powers of darkness. And, and, but he has, he has translated me, delivered me from that, and has translated me into something different 
which is the kingdom of his dear son. Now, now he, he's already put me in that, not prophetically of when I die or when he takes me home, but he has put me in that now to begin to enjoy some kingdom privileges and kingdom benefits here on this earth even now. Amen? Y'all with me? And y'all going to have to act like y'all this morning now. Help me. Help me preach today, okay? I want you to get involved in this because when you're listening enough to say amen, that means you're listening to what i got to say. We have too much. You know, you remember last Sunday we talked about in Matthew 13 where he gave the parables of the kingdom? And he said this. He said that having ears to hear, they hear not, and eyes to see, they see not. Spiritual eyes. And hear with their ears, their spiritual ears, and believe with their heart, their spiritual heart, and I should turn again and heal them. Heal them of everything, every problem, every disease, every sickness, every, everything that may be. Heal, heal homes, heal relationships, heal marriages, heal bodies, heal, heal spirits, heal minds. He, he said if you'll get this word of the kingdom, which is this word, then there's healing in that. Folks, there's healing in the kingdom of God. We need to realize not just spiritual healing. And, and healing is not reserved. I've heard pe- people pass it off this way. Well, we know we're all going to be healed when we get to heaven. Well, I believe that. I believe that. Too. I believe it completely. That's just like saying, well, I know we'll all be free from sin when we get to heaven. Folks, God has given us a path to walk in this life and a goal to shoot at, and that is found in 1 John chapter 2 where he said, Sin not little children. I mean, it's right there. In, in 1 Corinthians 15, Paul said, It's time to wake unto righteousness and sin not. I mean, this is the Word of God I'm talking about. This is not some doctrine, some fallacy. You say, Preacher, you believe you can get to where we live above sin? Well, if, the, if we couldn't, the Bible would never hint to any such thing as that. So that's my goal as I go along in, in this life is, if I can say it this way, is to sin less and less. Less and less. Less and less. Less and less. And not let, not let the, the things of sin hold me down. So, I believe that God has this for us now in this, in this time. Now look in Luke chapter 12. In Luke chapter 12, He's given, he has given the same teaching that he did in Matthew chapter 6 concerning the things of this life. And folks, we all look for the things of this life, don't we? And he talked about how that the, the flowers of the field, that, that they're arrayed better than Solomon was ever arrayed, and you're worth more than them. He talks about the fowls of the air, how that they neither reap, or they neither sow nor harvest, but they have plenty to eat. God takes care of them. He said, you're better than them. And he said, he said, so don't just spend your life seeking after what you shall eat, what you shall wear, where you live, what you're going to have to drink. All of these kinds, this, the, the daily needs of this life. He said, don't spend your life just seeking the daily needs of this life. He said, this is what all the world seeks after. Now, now, people say we as Christians are to be set apart from the world, and I believe that with both hands, that we're to be set apart, that we're to be different. But not just in one or two areas, but in the whole thing. 
with the world. If you put us on the job tomorrow and out in the world tomorrow with the world, it'd be hard for the world to tell us from them because we're caught up looking and, and running and trying to get a hold of the same things that they are. But oh, I love the promise here. I love what he said. He said, but rather, rather than letting all of this stuff be first in your life, folks, we've got to have it. Like Pat said, we, we, there, there's a need for money. Everything in life touches money. There's nothing free in this life. It, it makes no difference because it costs somebody something. Now, you may not have had to give anything for it, but that shirt or blouse that you've got on costs money, so there's money involved. Somehow or another, there's church. Man, it, it, it costs you nothing to come to church, but church is not free. Now, you don't pay dues. I've heard, I heard one, one dear black lady say one time, I, I've got to go to church and pay my dues to the church. No, we're not paying dues. That's not the thing. Else. But what I'm saying, even the seat you're sitting on has to do with money. Everything in this life has to do with money. But he said, listen, now don't let that be your first priority because everything in life has to do with that. But rather, rather than getting caught up in the hustle and bustle of this life and, and only looking for the temporary here and now, rather seek the kingdom of God. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33 says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Well, can I tell you this? You cannot really seek the kingdom of God without seeking it first. Now, you can spend a little time over here and dabble in this, but you're not really seeking. See, when you look at this word seek, it means to learn where something is. To discover by searching. When I'm seeking the kingdom of God, then I'm going to discover by searching out. Well, now where am I going to find the things of the kingdom? I'm going to find it in the Word of God. So we search out the things. It means to seek out. It means to covet earnestly. Covet, it sounds like folks walking down Wall Street, don't it? Looking for the next big stock market buy. That's what they're looking for. They're seeking the next big thing. The next, the next big company on the rise. The next big invention. The next big wall uh, financial move. They're seeking that. And, and they're spending time and effort, and, and their minds is filled up with this. They sit in coffee shops and talk about it. They sit at work and talk about it. They read the Wall Street Journal from page to page in an hour, I mean from cover to cover in an hour. Why? They're seeking, they're seeking, they're seeking, they're seeking. This is what he's talking about here in this. This is the kind of, of ink that we've got to put in to discovering the things of the kingdom. It means to, to seek out, to covet earnestly. Now, the next verse says, you think, well, before we go to that verse, just let me say this. But uh, we think, oh, my goodness. Somebody, that's a whole lot of work. Oh, we got a head start. We have somebody on our side. Do you know the king of the kingdom is on our side? And, and listen, in verse 32 of Luke chapter 12, he said this. Do not, I'm reading from the Amplified. You read it there. Do not be seized with alarm. And struck with fear. Boy, that's what we do when we get to talking about these things. You know, man, that's just hey, that just requires too much time, huh? Uh, you know, that just man, I don't know if I can live. I just now listen. He said, don't be, don't be struck or seized with fear or alarm, little flock. Why? For it is your Father's good pleasure, Hallelujah, to give you the kingdom. 
This is something God wants us to have, folks. God is not hiding kingdom blessings from you and I today. But remember I told you last Sunday that the kingdom of God is not a welfare state. You don't get it just because you showed up one day. You don't, you, know, you don't just wake up in the morning and say, Okay, I'm awake. I know I deserve every blessing God's given me today. So just pour it on God. And, and then you go through the day and you, you don't love folks. You don't share your love. You don't share Jesus. You, don't, you, you live just like you want to. And you think, well, I, I, you know, I showed up. No, you didn't. No, it's not a welfare state. And another thing, like I showed you last Sunday, there's no illegal immigrants in the kingdom of God. You don't get into it except by one way, and that's through the blood of Jesus Christ. There's no other way to get into the kingdom of God. To get into the blessings of God requires the same thing it takes to get into heaven itself, the place of, of eternal abode, and that's the blood of Jesus Christ applied to our life. So he said, fear not, little flock. It's your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Now, now here's some things that we must learn to live in the kingdom. We've got to understand these things. Number one is we need to understand that we must learn to live kingdom ways, a way that separates us from the rest of the world, a way that's, that we're set apart, that people will look and say, hey, there's something different about them. Listen to the thing, what they're saying. See how they live? The way they, they move, the things they talk about? Man, they're not always ta- talking about what everything that Fox News is saying. They're talking about some things Called the Word of God? Yeah. Somebody asked me the other day, said, you watch the news? I said, not unless I just can get around it somehow or another. Watch a little local news. Well, how do you keep up with what's going on? I said, I read the Bible. Second Timothy chapter 3 says that, that, that this know also in the latter days perilous times shall come. Buddy, you don't get no more perilous than what's going on right now in this world. Look, I'm here in America, and let me tell you, yesterday again, or last night in England, and the same things can begin to happen here in America. Let me tell you something, folks. Unless we pray and stay before God and, and see things begin to be different, it's going to happen that way here in America. It'll begin to happen in Alabama. Things are going to get bad enough it's going to happen in Morgan County. And it's, it's not what I'm talking about, this stuff is just going to filter down. I don't have to watch CNN or and God delivers from that and, or Fox News or anything else to understand that we're in the last days. Read it now. Now, you must learn to think kingdom thoughts. Thoughts. Think not. Take no thought, he said, of what you shall eat or what you shall drink. Take no thought. Don't worry about that. Learn to think kingdom thoughts. Yes, but you've got to understand, Pastor, that God said my ways are not your ways and my thoughts are not your thoughts. He said that. It's right over there in Isaiah chapter 55, verses 7, 8, 9, 10, 11. You don't have to go there, Bo. But he said, he said uh, your thoughts are not my thoughts, neither your ways my ways. For my thoughts are higher than your thoughts, and my ways are higher than your ways, saith the Lord. But who was he talking to? He was talking to a backslid nation that thought they had it all figured out and had begun to turn and worship other gods. And God said, I don't know where this is coming from because this is not my thoughts and this is not my ways. Now, let me tell you something. If we're just going to sit around and never try to think God thoughts, we better do some repenting because if we're not thinking God thoughts, we're thinking devil thoughts. I mean, it's all one way or the other, isn't it? I don't have to be politically correct again this morning, do I? Well, I, I wasn't last Sunday either, so it don't matter. But anyhow, 
We, our thoughts are to be the thoughts of God. That don't mean that we're going to sit here and tell God what He's going to think. No, no, no. But that means we get in touch with God and say, God, what are you thinking? And He'll tell us like, like He told Jeremiah. He said, for this is the thoughts I have concerning you. And then we'll get to thinking the same kind of thoughts and we'll think that what God thinks concerning me is being peace and doing me good and bringing me a, a hopeful expectation. I begin to think those thoughts about myself and those are thinking the kingdom thoughts. Thinking, like he said in Philippians chapter 4, verse 8, that we set our mind that, you know, that we think on these things. Things that are lovely and just and good and honest and beautiful and of good report and virtuous. To think on these things. That's kingdom thoughts. And we begin to do that instead of sitting here thinking about, you know, that sorrow old Wayne Simmons. I know Gisette's never thought those kind of thoughts. Never have. No. But we get to thinking. We, I tell you what, folks. I, I was out in the garden working, not yesterday, the day before. I was out in the garden working, holding along there, and no devil would come along, and, and, and he, he was trying to bring up stuff to my thinking that happened 20 years ago. And the next thing you know, man, I'd done knocked down three okra plants. I said, no, 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 no. I set my affections and my mind on things above, not on things of this earth. If you're going to live kingdom ways, and think kingdom thoughts, you've got to learn to talk kingdom talk. Kingdom talk is not just having a good confession. That's part of it. Having a good confession and giving a good report, that's part of kingdom talk. Saying what God says about you. Saying the things that God has given you. And that's kingdom talk. But let me tell you something else that kingdom talk is. Kingdom talk is like what we find in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29. And he said, let no corrupt communication. Uh, this amplified, I like this. Let no foul or polluting language or evil word nor whole unwholesome or worthless talk ever come out of your mouth. Boy, I tell you what, that cancels out a whole bunch of stuff right there, doesn't it? Mm. Mm. If you didn't have a good relationship with the Lord and know how to repent, that'd bring condemnation on you in a hurry, wouldn't it? Just think of how much of that stuff we do. But only such speech as is good and beneficial to the spiritual progress of others, as it is fitting to the need and the occasion that it may be that needs to go on more than anywhere else. God's favor to those who hear it. That's kingdom talk. You know where that needs to go on more than anywhere else? It needs to go on in the home between husband and wife. Yes, I I had this thought the other day, and I shared it with Loretta. I said, you know, I I do not find anywhere in the Bible that I can find where it says that a husband must talk and communicate with his wife. Now, don't, wait a minute now. Don't, don't jump on that wrong. Don't look at her and say, you see, I don't have to talk to you. No, no, no. Don't do that. That's wrong. Wrong as it can be. Because I'm going to tell you, most of us talk to them so many times in ways they don't need to be talked to. 
Wives to husbands, husbands to wives, in ways they don't need to be taught to. Why? Because it's not fitting in this. I didn't come in here to preach about the home, but you know I may do that anyway before I get done. But anyhow, because our marriages need to be kingdom marriages based in the kingdom of God. But let me tell you something, men and women, even though they may not be a, a command in the Bible where it says, and you husbands communicate with your wives, talk to them. If there's anybody I want to talk to and edify them with my words, it's my wife. Why? Because it's important that I do. Let me tell you something, folks. I, I want to talk good to Pat. and I want to talk good to Bill. I don't live with them. They don't cook my food. They don't wash my clothes. They don't, they don't go in the same bed I do every night, thank God. <laughs> They're not the one I, I, I like to ride down the road with and hold hands with. Walk in the Walmart holding hands. They're, you know, but this lady is. And if there's anybody that I want to speak good to and good about is that little woman that's known as Loretta Carroll. And you might think, you men might think, well, if I had a wife like her, I could talk good to her too. You know, talking good to your wife makes her better. Talking good to your husband makes him better. Talking good about them makes them better. That's kingdom talk. Well, moving right along. We'll, we'll deal with that when we talk about kingdom marriages. And, and let me tell you what we're going to do. The day that, that I preach about kingdom marriages, we're going to have the women sit on one side and the men sit on the other side. So, and the reason that we're going to do that is so there won't be any fights break out during church. <laughs> that elbowing. Quit elbowing me. Well, if you'd listen, no, we won't do that. Anyway, the kingdom, back to the kingdom. The kingdom has a king. I have a king. Jesus is my king. King. I want to see the king, don't you? Soon and very soon we're going to see the king, the song says. Going to see the King, King Jesus. I'm going to tell you something, folks. I want to see Jesus before I see Jesus. So what do you mean? I want to see the effects and the work of Jesus and in glory. I want to, I want Jesus to manifest in power and in glory. Now, if He wants to come in person, that would be fine. I don't know how many of us could handle that. But I want to see Jesus. I want to see Jesus show up and and show out and do things that we need in our midst. I want to see it. The king. The king of my kingdom. I want him, I want him to come by thoughtful Alabama, don't you? I want him to come by Victory Fellowship on a Sunday morning when we're in here just unsuspecting and all of a sudden Jesus shows up. Power of God begin to fall and move. Folks, I tell you, I tell you, I want to see the king. And we can see him now, the effects of Him. John chapter 14. Jesus was talking to those disciples in the upper room. And He, and he 
telling them some things. He said, I'm going to go away. He said, I'm going to go away and I'll send another comforter. And we talked about that a whole lot last month about the Holy Spirit and the helper coming. And he said, I'll send the comforter and he'll come and, and he'll be here with you. He said, but let me tell you something. He that hath my commandments and keepeth them. Now listen, I don't like that word commandments, preacher. Well, you're going to take that up with Jesus. He's the one that said it, not me, okay? It's written in red. It, it, you know, if you don't like the word commandments, let's talk to him. I don't think he's going to rewrite the Bible for you, even though a lot of people have tried to rewrite the Bible and write things out of it. He that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me, and he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him and will manifest myself to him. Ooh. Now listen, if we want to see Jesus show up here at Victory Fellowship, it's just two things that we've got to do. Love him and keep his commandments. Oh, those commandments. First John chapter 5 tells us something about these commandments thing. First John chapter 5 verse 3 from the Amplified says, For the true love of God is this. This is the true love of God. That we do His commands. Wow. There He said it again. This is John saying this. John the Revelator. The one that saw, he had already seen the re revelated, re resurrected, glorified Jesus Christ in the Revelation. He got the Revelation and wrote it before he got wrote 1st, 2nd, 3rd John. They tried to kill Him and couldn't kill Him. And He come back from all of that and He said, Now listen, let me tell you folks what true love is that we do His commands and keep His ordinances and are mindful of His precepts and teachings. Do these things. Oh man, probably lived longer than any of the other, not only probably, but did live longer than any of the other apostles. He lived to be right at nine, 100 years old. Not, not 900, but right at 100 years old. Like I said, they tried to kill Him. They tried to boil Him in oil. They put Him out of make do, but He got caught to, and, and didn't feed Him while he was on that island out there, and he just had to make do, but he got caught up in the Spirit and didn't need it anyway, and God gave him the revelation of Jesus Christ. Listen to what this, this apostle of love said. And these orders are commandments of his orders. I like that. I'd never noticed that in that before, Brother Dennis. These orders. That means this is not something you can say, well, you know, be all right. I guess I might take that. Old Peyton's about to learn, learn what orders are, isn't he? It ain't going to be like mom or daddy telling him 15 times. I figure about July the 11th, 12th at the latest, he's really going to understand about orders. They're not optional. You folks that's been in the military knows that orders are not optional. They don't put them up there and say, now you can do this if you want to. Do the big. I think the way that thing goes, is it, Jim? It ain't, it ain't a selected thing, is it, J.J.? When they, and, and there's a thing called orders of the day, and that means you'll do this every day. We don't have to post this, you'll do this every day. But then there's special orders, and those orders are not suggestions so you can live a good, happy life while in the military. I take this to be the same thing. Folks, if we want to see the blessings of God, we, we're going to have to quit dilly-dallying and get to business. These orders of His are not irksome. That means they're not burdensome, oppressive, or grievous. 
God's, listen, folks, the things that God has told us to do are not hard. We make it hard. We make it hard by the way we think about them. And I just can't do that. And people say, I just can't. Yes, you can. If you quit saying, I can't, you can. You can do it. You may not do it right now. It may not accomplish right this minute. But let me tell you something. If you'll start right this minute and get this I can't business concerning the things of God out of your life, you'll begin to see things change. And you'll get to where, you know, you'll be like the little steam engine going up the mountain. I think I can. 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 And you'll get to the top of that peak and you'll start over the side. You say, I knew I could. 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 I want to see the king. Love God. Love Jesus. Love your brother. We can come to the place to see the king. I want to, just one more thing. Talking about wanting to see the king, that ought to be a hunger in every one of us. A hunger, a desire to see a move of God. See something different than what we've seen and experienced. Knowing what he's got for us hunger. A hunger. Not for pineapple upside down cake. I don't know why I thought of that. Not a hunger for meatloaf. I know where I got that from. You all know what I'm having for lunch now, don't you? But, you know, people say, man, I'm just, boy, I sure, I'm just starving to death for some chocolate. I don't like to use terms like starving and to death. But can I say this in that vernacular? I'm starving to death to see Jesus working in us. What'll it take? Well, it's going to take us getting hungry and desiring that more than we desire even our own selfish pride and what people think about us. In Luke chapter 19, just quickly I want to share with you the story of Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus wanted to see Jesus. Now, Zacchaeus was height challenged. The Bible says he was short of stature. I picked him being just sort of like a, a midget. That's just my picture of it. He was a tax collector. He was not loved by the people around him. And no doubt every day they gave him trouble, not only because of his size, but because of his position. Zacchaeus got up every morning and went to work his place of of receiving the, uh, the taxes that he would get from people and passed by a sycamore tree every day. Now I, want you, I want you to notice something. I believe... Oh, Lord, help me not preach another message right here. It keeps this together. I believe. I believe that back in the annals of time that one day God maybe said to a couple of angels, Look, I want you to go down there and gather up a seed from a sycamore tree. Now, I want you to take it over to a certain place and I'll show you and I want you to plant that there and I want you to keep guard over that. And I want you to watch over that sycamore tree. I don't want nothing to step on it. Nobody to cut it down. Don't want no camels or horses eating on it when it's young and tender. I want that sycamore tree to grow. And I picked those angels and said, well, why, Lord? Why do you want us to do that? And God said, I have a destiny for a man that's going to come by that way one day, a man named Zacchaeus. 
And God, I can picture God saying to those angels, I can't make him climb that tree, but I can give him the opportunity. Folks, God is not going to make you and me wait on the move of God. But he's given us the opportunity. Think about that. And Zacchaeus went in that day, walked by that sycamore tree, and by now didn't got to be pretty big. Maybe that thing had been there 50 years, I don't know. And those angels there all the time. And, and he went on to his place, and the, the streets of Jericho filled up. Here comes this crowd, this noise. Zacchaeus said, what's going on? Somebody said, Jesus is coming this way. Jesus. Oh, I want to see Jesus. I want to see him. Did you hear about him, Zacchaeus? He healed a blind man right outside of town out here. I want to see him. And he tried to look, and he, and he never could get to where he could see him. And he came on down, and here was the sycamore tree. Been there all this time. And I can just see Zacchaeus sort of leaning up against that sycamore tree and say, well, he'll come this way, but the crowd just kept getting thicker and thicker. And I can picture in his mind him saying, uh, well, look, I know I could climb the tree, but a man of my being and everything don't need to be climbing trees. That hunger in him was worse. Got bigger than his pride. He didn't care who was around him. He didn't care what was going on. I picture it sort of like a baby. You know, you can bring uh, Brother Jackson's baby <laughs> into this service. Bring the little, little one. And when she gets hungry, hungry, truly hungry, she don't care what's going on. She don't care who's around. She don't care who's preaching. She don't care what song the praise and worship team's singing. She don't even care who the visitors are that day. She gets hungry, she's going to start crying out for it until she gets something to eat. Why? Because that's what she knows is to get that hunger satisfied. And we just sit quietly. Don't ever get excited. We just won't do nothing. Holy Spirit, try to move on us and we just sit there and clamp down. We don't want to... But that's not me. Listen, this wasn't Zacchaeus either, but he wanted to see Jesus. And when he, Jesus got close, Zacchaeus scurried up that tree. He got to the point where he didn't care what anybody said about him. He didn't care what anybody thought. He didn't care about any of these things. Only thing he cared about was that he wanted to see Jesus. Folks, what would it matter if me wanting to see Jesus, if you just slipped out of your seat sometime in church service and got on your face before the Lord because you want to see Jesus? What would it matter if you just, right in the middle of preaching, just got up and come to the altar and begin to cry out to God? Because you want to see Jesus. What kind of sycamore tree do you need to climb? What do you need to do in your life? Let me tell you, because he was willing to get past everything so he could see the king of the kingdom. Jesus came over to him and said, Hey, Zacchaeus, he knew his name. He knows your name. Zacchaeus, come down. For today I must go to your house. And I want to ask you a question right here. How would your situation in your life, your spiritual life, in your job, your finances, your home, your marital relationship, your relationship with your children, how would all of that change if Jesus showed up right here today and went home with you? home with you. That can happen. 
Zacchaeus got out? I, I don't know, but I figure that little fellow was probably walking this tall because he was walking in Jesus' name. He got home. They had their meal. Zacchaeus stood up and he said, Lord, I'm giving half of everything I own to the poor. And if I've taken anything but the false, I'll restore that fourfold. And Jesus looked at him and said, This day has salvation come to this house. What do you mean? He said, This guy is doing everything necessary to see the king of the king work. He said, And he is a son of Abraham. And he's blessed. I'm a child of Abraham and I'm blessed. You are too. Folks, I believe, I sense in my spirit that Jesus is passing by this morning. What's your need? What is it? Do you want to see the King work in your life? He will. But the rest of it is up to you. He said, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved, healed, delivered, set free, whatever the need is. Whoever calls on the Lord. Let's stand together with me. Thank you.